All of one's life is a revelation answered, revealed through your incarnation is eternity. Your soul is the signature of eternity incarnate here, you the human being. The nature of your signature is sacred, innocent, true, realized here. The babe born safely delivered well from the mother. My baby is laid upon my breast or at my side or taken from me and put in an incubator or the arms of a midwife to stimulate to stronger breathing or to teach the young mother how to nurse until the baby understands how to latch on to the breast of the mother to take in the nourishment so mysteriously through the mother's bosom which has nurtured the child through the blood and inner domains of the mother for probably nine months, sometimes slightly less. And through the father and through the human race upon this planet spinning through the universe. A revelation. As we speak in this terminology, we are invoking the signature of heaven Oh, I am receiving that which is the eternal domain in this moment and the next and the next. And breathing out, we embody that signature of heaven. And then we encounter the atmosphere around us, the firmament beneath our feet, the temperature of the air, the bodies of water or lack of bodies of water around us from seashore to desert. And we negotiate the idea of safe passage through that experience of revelation. The difficulty is we generally turn the revelation into an obstacle course. Well, I don't know how to cross that sea. You know, my, my great uncle drowned. I, I don't know how to farm that land. You know, my, my best friend was killed by a snake when we were seven. These are stories I've heard from people in my life. One colleague of mine in Alaska <clears throat> moved from India to Alaska because her best friend was bitten and killed by a snake in less than a minute while they were running and playing in the fields outside their homes in India. Another lost their uncle, drowned in the sea. My uncle, you know, he was sailing, and then we don't really know what happened. He was gone. My father never got over it. Oh, what happened to the revelation? And so we experienced something out of the mystery which has caused Infirmity, death, loss, conflict. So that the next breath and moment of someone ancestral was experienced as it is not always safe. One's body, one's vessel, 
Holding the revelation breath to breath does not go on forever on earth. And then we call forward that translation point, that middle world, to be an adequate interpretation for us and for our peers and our progeny. That toward the future, we need to be careful of that poisonous snake. We need to be careful of that stormy sea or that too small of a sailboat. And no matter what we do, we can't quite figure out how to meet every snake. And I mean that physically, but I mean it metaphorically. There are many beautiful snakes that are very harmless. Grass snakes we played with in the Northeast when we were children. Small, green, beautiful in the summer grass of our yards. Garter snakes. They eat many insects. They're a strong part of the ecosystem. So we would be taught this type of snake, not common in my upbringing, but with a triangulated head, this kind of a face and nostrils. If you see that shape, step back. My father taught us this when we were very little children. So that we would have some understanding of how to meet a creature who might be toxic and yet is part of the revelation of the cosmos. We might be taught to be careful walking underneath a tree in a thunderstorm so that lightning would not hit us. Don't go under a tree in a lightning storm. Don't hike to a high place in a lightning storm. Take cover down low. Find a point that will be grounding for you. So the advice from ancestors is to retain the revelation into the next moment safely and the next moment and the next moment this kind of berry is safe to eat eating a big bowl of these blueberries in the summer is an old european form of warming children hence let us sit and have a large bowl of blueberries with grandma Teresa. how wonderful the quality of the salmon run at this time of the year. So the young Eskimo couple are going to Togiak Lake with their net. Would you like to come? The boat will be filled to several inches below the gunnels, coming back very slowly and carefully because all of those fish would be needed by the family from the first frost and very cold weather and ice up through the thaw and the warming in the late spring. Then there is a quality of knowing how to be a transparent vessel, receptive to the revelation of life, as blessed as coming from that, which is the Holy of Holies, through us, through oneself back into eternity. So if you could investigate the places in your own temperament 
where you have studied too much the woundedness of your own history or of family members, ancestors, tribes, nations, religious groups, cultural identities. The way through is to study the ones who have embodied the revelation as sweetly and fluidly and truly and respectfully as they were able, that we might call them ancestors as well. I'll use Lao Tzu, who I've spoken of several times in the, this particular retreat already. Lao Tzu lived several thousand years ago. <clears throat> he and Confucius were contemporaries. There's very little written about either of them, really. Confucius is called the great ancestor of all of the people of China into Mongolia, out down into Mustang and Tibet, all the way over into Bhutan, parts of Myanmar, Burma. He's part of the iconography of what it is to be a true man, a true human being. He was someone who was a coach or master trainer for the, the vessel. One was to honor the father and through the father, the mother. One was to honor the brother and through the brother, the sister. One was to honor the son and through the son, the daughter. One was to honor the uncle and through the uncle, the aunt. One was to honor the male friend and through the male friend, the women affiliated and the girls affiliated with that friend. One was to honor the colleague and through the male colleague, a female colleague. One was to honor the scholar. So that directionally, one was studying using the inner intelligence of the soul, heart, and vital life to seek this respect within one's own being and toward that respect for and within all other beings that revelation could safely be received. Confucius the ancestor of all of East Asia. Then we are attuned, attenuated to the capacity in each other. Ah, may you be a clear vessel, and you a clear vessel, and you, and you, and you. I have before me several of the implements of a scholar's set, which is a, utilized commonly in Asia. For whatever reason, it's just always been attractive to me. I didn't really even know what they were when I first explored a great deal with Asian culture. I would be reading something or traveling and I would come upon a small uh, porcelain little pitcher, very tiny, and I would be told that this is a scholar's, scholar's little pitcher for drops of water for me to drop. I'm going to hold it in my hand as I'm speaking to you so that I could put water in it just a small amount, the, the little one I'm holding would hold about four ounces of water. It has a tiny hole in the top and a tiny little uh, spout so that I could put water in the top and then tip it ever so slightly to put in a dish or on an ink pad so that I might draw up a paintbrush or a bamboo kalam or bamboo pen just carved out of a single stalk of bamboo 
to paint and draw or write a name, a poem, a single image, which is both a letter and a figure like a crane or flower. So that a great ancestor in China might say, I've written a name of my first grandchild. He or she who is like this. And out of the intelligence spiritually, heartfully, and vitally, the scholar, the man, or the wife, who would be historically called the wife of a scholar, so that the patriarchal Confucianist culture would protect her, not necessarily suppress her. It's the nature of the way the culture was structured. Ah, and the woman is held like this and named like this. She who is the scholar, wife of this man, also the scholar or the protector of the scholar. And she might draw forward her, her pen, her bamboo pen or her brush, and then draw symbolically one character of the Chinese language or another East Asian language. And someone might ask, oh, that one like the springtime iris, yes. The way I feel about my granddaughter, yes. When one embodies in the transparent vessel of oneself that capacity, the iris-like quality in every other human being who has ever existed is on the earth now or ever will be born here is also remembered revered as part of heaven on earth, recognized, named in the presence of the holy of holies. And so when one sits with one's scholar's picture before oneself, there's nothing to do but study heaven and then embody that, let us say, in that Confucianist practice or culture or ideal. And then we added being like Lao Tzu, who was a contemporary of Confucius. And many arguments occurred among the people who studied aspects of the lives and philosophies of either of the two men. So there are stories, particularly in the, in the Zen or Tian or Chan cultures of Southeast Asia, Japan, Korea, and China, which allude to the meeting of the men and, and the response. And when the men met and discussed various points and apparently had tea or walked together and had tea, Confucius turned and said to his colleagues and protégés, Lao Tzu is the greater man, he the man of the mountains. And then he had very little else to say. What was he saying? Look, Lao Tzu didn't have a scholar's picture. He had the mountain waterfall. Lao Tzu didn't have a scholar's bamboo kalam or brush. He had the dust of the pollen coming from the trees in the springtime and from the walnut shells in the autumn from which 
much ink is made. I actually have loving friends who draw and paint with ink made from walnut shells. I do that myself at times. Exquisitely beautiful. From nuts that have fallen or been harvested from trees carefully. Caused to form into ink. Written down. Inspired by heaven. By someone now. Just as those walnuts lived long ago in the days of Lao Tzu and Confucius. For me, this is the obstacle course, not only of the snake that might bite you with venom, but all the places we have so deeply ignored, which are the way from heaven to heaven. So Confucius was walking with and drinking tea with a man whose experience was celestial. I, Lao Tzu of heaven, am walking beside and with you, Confucius, such a clear vessel of the earth. How shall we walk together as one, yet two men? And of that relationship, the great peace of East Asia is born. We bow, honoring the original face of each of those two men. Oh, when one does this, one knows who one is and experiences in the spiritual heart and the soul and the mind, and the character, personality of oneself, and the physical body. How shall I be a son or daughter of Lao Tzu and Confucius? Honoring this everywhere upon the earth. Then what occurs is the mystical or mysterious revelations of every moment are safely studied by oneself, safely prayed for and practiced and embodied. And this, this is the path. This is always the path.